questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And if you want to experience part two of tonight's show and every single one we have ever done, you know what to do by now. Just click on the subscribe button of our website. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or simply have feedback, you know that I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. In 2007, Garnet Schulhauser was confronted on the street by a homeless man named Albert, who was actually a wise spirit in disguise, an emissary from the spirit world. He is back with more divine inspiration for humanity, and he also has a new book titled Dance of Heavenly Bliss, and it's available now. His bio and website are linked at ours, and he joins us directly from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Hello, Garnet. Happy New Year, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I'm fine, Mel. Thank you for having me, and uh, Happy uh, New Year and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much. And the first question I have for you, I uh, didn't know that Albert was back. Is Albert back in, what did he say? Let's begin with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, say again, Mel. Is Albert, Albert back in my life? Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. yes. Is Albert back in your life? How did he get into your life again? And let's talk about some of the lessons imparted upon you. Well, he came back, in the, which I detail in my third book. He came back again, as he did it for my second book, um, in astral form. And uh, as before, he just suddenly appears in my bedroom, sort of a, in uh, in astral form, uh, he, unannounced. He doesn't tell me when he's coming. And uh, as he did before the first time, he he says, come on, I'm going to take you on some astral trips. Um, I want you to see, meet some very wise souls on the spirit side. I want you to hear their stories. Um, I want to take you to other places in the universe. And I want you to meet some very interesting and fascinating uh, creatures uh, uh, on, our, on your planet that you may not be aware of. And he said, come on, let's go. He grabbed my astral hand as before, pulled my astral body out of my physical body, which was still laying as sound asleep in my bed. And away we went up through the ceiling and we rose up to the clouds and, uh, and away we went to begin our, our uh, second set of astral adventures, uh, which I detail in my third book, Dance of Heavenly Bliss. Well, I guess I asked you this question the last time, but let me just ask it again. You come from the legal world. You practice, you were a practicing attorney for many, many decades. Did you know about astral traveling? Did you know about all this esoteric world that waited for you just before you retired? No, I didn't actually. I was, I was, as I mentioned before, I was raised as a Roman Catholic, so I was indoctrinated with all of the dogmas and beliefs of the Catholic Church as a youngster. And then, as I sort of hit my thirties, I started to question a lot of the beliefs, and then I eventually ended up rejecting a lot of them. And I was then casting about for a new paradigm, a new, you know, a, a new set of beliefs to latch onto. Um, and that's where sort of, a, I was in this no man's land for the longest time. 
And that's when Albert showed up in my life with that one day in 2007. As I told you before, he sort of jumped into in front of me one day on the street as a homeless man. He was disguised as a homeless man to get my attention. Um, anyway, that led to uh, an initial dialogue I had with him. And then uh, from there, um, after that, which resulted in my first book, Dancing on a Stamp, then he came into my life the second time in, in astral form, which I detailed in my second book, Dancing Forever with Spirit. And, and so... Before I met Albert, no, I didn't know about astral travel. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't really have any information about uh, uh, about the spirit side. I mean, I was taught there was a heaven when I was a, a, a youngster growing up. Didn't know whether I could believe that or not. Uh, I didn't know, you know, whether what they had told me as a kid was all true or mostly untrue. Or and if it wasn't, then what was the truth? And so Albert was the guy who came along to answer all the big questions in life, and uh, in a way that was very startling for me initially. But but eventually, it just sort of uh, felt really true in my heart, and I knew that what he was telling me was the was the real goods. That's the way things are. It's been a few years since you wrote the first book, and since you retired. I have to ask you this also, former colleagues, family members, your wife, friends, they probably know that you have written th these books now. What has been the reception, if any, that they have given you after writing these books, knowing the Garnet from before? Yes, well, it's a bit of a mixed bag. My family, thank God, was very supportive. My wife is actually very uh, spiritual herself. And she's had some encounters uh, with people who her mother and father would pass on from, you know, from beyond the veil. Uh, so she's very much in tune with what I wrote about. So she's very supportive. Uh, my two sons were also very supportive. I'm not sure if they quite entirely uh, latch on to everything I've said in my books, but they, but they, they, they really support me in my effort at, at writing my books and, and, uh, and promoting them. Um, with my former colleagues, clients, uh, partners in the law, mixed bag, some of them have really shunned me. They just don't talk to me, and I suspect they think that I've gone senile early. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to and, laugh. And maybe, the, yeah. maybe they're true. I don't know. Maybe that's right. Uh, maybe I am. But, um, it, but, but a number of the other uh, my colleagues uh, have actually been supportive. Have sent me emails when I first my first book came out to say, "Good for you to have the courage to come out of the spiritual closet." Because this really was quite a change from what I was before. As a lawyer, I was a button-down, straight-laced, uh, stuff-shirt corporate lawyer. Uh, and so they never could have imagined in a million years that I could have uh, written the books that I did write uh, and, and, and in terms of what, what I described there and, and talking about the things that I talk about. So for them, it was uh, quite, a, quite a difference. And so a bit of a mis mixed bag. I've, I've lost some friends, but I've gained many more new ones, Mel. So overall, it's been a positive experience. No, welcome to the club. You you lose some and you gain some. And I, the reason why I asked you that is because I know a lot of people listen to us who are more or less in the same boat. Perhaps they're not attorneys, but they're, you know, land developers. And, and you listening to me uh, know exactly who I'm referring to. Attorneys, yes. doctors, and so on, who sometimes they keep it quiet. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're happy in their own skin. But there are many of them out there who keep it quiet and they have all this spiritual knowledge pent up and they're afraid to lose their clients, their customers, their business, their family members. And I think uh, your story gives them some inspiration to move forward and say, hey, you know what? This is the way it is. This is the information that has been given to me. If you want to believe it, that's fine. But this is my story and this is how I'd like to convey it to the world. Is that how you feel? 
No, absolutely. And it took a lot of – I mean I had to struggle with the decision when I wrote the first manuscript about whether I would actually get it published. And at times I had the thought of just throwing it into a drawer and never letting it see the light of day again. But then I just knew in my heart that if I didn't do it, I'd regret it for the rest of my life. And so I had to do it. I did it, and I've never looked back, and so I'm, I'm quite happy. But I understand, though, that people, professional people, uh, they, they, they have to project a certain image to you know for their clients. And I know, Mel, to be honest, I wouldn't have released my first book if I was still practicing law because I, I, my client, I, you know, I'd be afraid that my clients would all disappear and, and think that I've uh, lost my mind. So uh, it was easier for me. After I met Albert, I retired about a year later, and then it was easier because it, to me it was sort of like, okay, if my clients all shun me, it doesn't really matter anymore because I'm on a new path now. For those who are listening to you for the first time, new subscribers, uh, just know that we have two other radio programs that we have conducted with Garnet. You may want to look at the archives, but for those who are joining us for the first time about your story, you want to give them a, a minute or two summary of the story before we begin with the new material. Right. Well, it was 2007. I was still practicing law. I was walking down the street one day, and all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, a homeless man jumped in front of me, who I'd never seen before. And um, he looked like a typical homeless man, except that he had these amazing, dazzling, sparkling blue eyes that were penetrating deep within me, and I felt that he knew everything about me. And at the same time, he was sending me this wave of pure, unconditional love that was infusing my body with an amazing feeling of peace and security and well-being. So it's quite an amazing feeling. And I stood there like a deer caught in the headlights until he said to me, why are you here? And then he promptly disappeared into a nearby store. When I went into the store to try to find him, he had disappeared. He had gone. I went back out on the street to try to find him, but he had disappeared into thin air. It was nowhere to be seen. The next day, I went back to the same street at the very same time. And after searching for 10 or 15 minutes, I finally spotted him sitting on a bench all by himself. And I went up to him and I said, who are you and why are why did you stop me the other day? And he said, I'm a soul just like you. I'm here to help you on your journey and to answer your questions. And that was the beginning of the dialogue I had with him that went off and on for the next several months. And he told me his name was Albert and he was really one of my spirit guides in disguise. And he had come to confront me to answer all my questions and to coax me into writing a book about his revelations. He wanted his answers to be available to everyone. And so after a, a bit of gentle persuasion, I eventually succumbed and I wrote my first uh, manuscript for Dancing on a Stamp. Uh, and so that was the beginning of my, uh, of, of my adventures with Albert. And then, as I mentioned, he came back into my life later in astro form and took me on some astro adventures to, uh, to meet some very interesting people. And, and every one of these was designed to provide a lesson for me and for all humanity or give us a nugget of wisdom. It wasn't for my entertainment. It was there to, uh, to, for, for me to write about so that, uh, in his view, so that other humans would be able to latch on to what he was saying and, and, and try to uh, uh, help themselves on their move along on the road to spiritual enlightenment, which is what he wants all humans to, 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 to go. To, you know, his goal is to try to get everyone to uh, become more uh, more conscious of, of who they are and to become more spiritually enlightened and to embrace love and compassion and reject negative emotions like uh, fear, anger, and hate. So that's what his mission. I'm just one of his messengers. Especially fear. All you have to do is turn on the TV, and, and I always joke when I say that the news anchor says, good evening, and then 30 seconds later, you'll know why it's not a good evening with all the fear. So... Disconnect yourself from all that fear, folks, and believe me, your life will be so much better. If you cannot control, if you have no control over things, 
Why worry about them? Surrender to, to it. And I'm not saying this so that we can just dig our heads in the sand. That's not what I mean. But there's so much worry and, and fear all the time. And when you come to the end of the day and you go to, uh, go to bed to sleep, you realize, you know, why was I worrying all day long? Let me just go to sleep and wake up and then I'll deal with it the next morning. But some of the things that you learned in the last two books, and I think on this third one too, is that not only is it for humanity, but you're seeing things through the the eyes, if you will, of the animal kingdom. And remember your conversation about the the uh, your miniature schnauzer that you told me that you you came home from work, you know, all tired, and you just would ignore the dog. And after the dog passed away, apparently you get the the thought that you knew that he wanted your attention. So now in this occasion, you actually went on an astral travel to visit a killer whale locked up in an aquarium. What message did she give you? Well, it was a very interesting encounter. And I was traveling astrally with Albert, and we went to this aquarium in uh, the, uh, in uh, California. Killer whale was locked up, uh, had been there for a while, and we communicated by telepathy. And I found out that she was a very intelligent, sensitive, empathetic creature. And in some ways, uh, you know, she was more intelligent in, in some areas, more intelligent than humans. Was it SeaWorld? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to name it. Okay. No. <laughs> I won't name it. You, you can pretty much figure sure, out which, sure. which one it would be. Um, and, uh, you know, she said that the whales and, and dolphins uh, like her um, – they're all very intelligent. They communicate with each other by telepathy. Um, and, and all they want in this world is to live in peace and harmony with humans. Uh, they don't, they don't mean us any harm. They, they want, they, they want to live side by side with us. They really wish though, it, this was her message to me, that humans would stop abusing them, stop, you know, uh, hunting them in, in, uh, in, in whaling ships and, uh, trapping them in nets and, 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 imprisoning them in concrete uh, aquariums and pools um, and uh, stop uh, harming them with our pollution. Um, you know, like to them, um, you know, humans are really sort of a, a, a bad blot on the, on the face of the earth because, because we, we do, we've, we're very invasive. We carry on as though we're the only creatures that matter on our planet. And so a lot of the times we, uh, we end up really abusing other creatures, especially whales and dolphins. We're getting better at, at stopping that. But she says, you know, like, you know, look at me. I, I want to just roam freely in the, in the blue waters of the Pacific. I don't want to be in this aquarium to perform silly tricks for spectators who don't seem to care about my plight. I really want to be released. I, I was born in the wild. I was captured. I want to go back there again. And I really, you know, she said, take your message to my, to your fellow humans that, you know, it's not good to imprison these animals. Let them roam free, uh, and and you know, stop hunting them. You know, uh, stop uh, catching them in your in your traps or or your, your, or getting them caught in the nets that you have for 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 to catch other fishes. You know, and stop polluting our water because that's the place that we live. And and you know, the, the environment that that you guys live in. I mean, you're polluting your own your own home. Which not only hurts you but hurts us as well. So her plea was very heartfelt. She really wanted to, uh, to, to you know, hope that, hopefully that humans could turn around, change their ways, stop their pollution, and stop you know capturing and abusing uh, you know killer whales, other whales, dolphins, and, and any other creatures that, that are in the same plight on our planet. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the story because when I go to aquariums now, you see the beauty of these animals. 
but then you probably go to certain areas of the aquarium underground and you see this big glass where all the children congregate and they see these these different, you know, whales, dolphins, porpoise. And sometimes I get them coming close to my my face and I start thinking in my mind, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And for some reason you get the feeling that they, they know what you're thinking and they're saying, yeah, we're, we're really here imprisoned and they try to do the best they can with the habitat that was has been given to them. But same thing is happening to people going to circus. They see these, these animals, the lions, uh, uh, the, 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 the apes and so on. And less and less people are attending circuses. And I think people are waking up to this. Same thing with, with bullfights. I used to go to bullfights before. And then all of a sudden, one day I realized, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Do you think this is happening around the world? People are realizing that a zoo should not be there. If we want to go see them, we can actually see them in the periphery of their habitat or, or perhaps a reservation, somewhere where they can actually grow, thrive, and evolve. Well, I think that's very true. I think people are becoming more and more aware. And it really breaks my heart as well to go to the, a zoo and to see, you know, a lion or a tiger or elephant, whatever, you know, locked up in a small enclosure. I mean, those creatures are just, you know, they were born to live free in their own habitat. And they, and they, I, I just know they can't be happy locked up there where people will, you know, just ogle them every day and, uh, and, uh, and and point fingers at them and, and, and you know and, and say wow look at that animal I mean it, it's not I mean they weren't put on this earth to amuse humans uh, and, and and we're very wrong if we think that's the case so I really think that people are really get, becoming more aware of the fact that animals do have feelings they're not just dumb creatures that are put there for our amusement I mean they, they have feelings they have emotions and they were they were they should be allowed to roam free in their own environment it's okay for humans to observe them i mean if you want to see a lion you know uh, go to some big uh, 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 game reserve, reserve or, right. or go to africa and see them in their natural habitat where they're free to roam but you could still watch them or watch some videos of them you get get pretty good idea of what they are by watching videos but but putting them into a small cage in a zoo that's just wrong i think and whether it's a a lion or a killer whale or a dolphin or whoever and, and i think that you know more and more humans really are becoming more aware of this and anybody who has a who has a pet a cat or a dog knows very well that they have feelings they have emotions and they can be happy they can be sad they can be despondent uh you know they can be afraid uh, and, and so they're not very much dissimilar from humans i mean we have more highly developed intellects uh but but in a lot of ways they are they're, they're very advanced in some ways more advanced than us and and they actually hear and see more things than we we give them credit for and so we so once we recognize that um i think we have to just move forward and and try to unlock all the caged animals and then try to really stop abusing them because we humans are just we're, we're very abusive to the other creatures on our planet and it's really a sad story you know i'm in arizona where it gets so so hot in the summer and i remember sometimes going to the zoo here taking our daughter and seeing a polar bear 115 degrees and i know they keep climate cool in, in the in the area where that polar bear is but it makes no sense that you see the cacti around the the area and you see this polar bear that should be somewhere in the in the arctic and not here in the desert 
Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And it just, it, it, as I said, it, it really breaks my heart to see these animals uh, in, in those kind of conditions. And you just got to think sooner or later, somebody's going to say, okay, let's just let them all go free back to where their natural uh, habitat is. Let them enjoy their lives on Earth and uh, and stop making them a, a, a spectacle for humans to uh, to observe and in, a, in a way that makes them confined and uncomfortable and really unhappy. It, it, we have to stop that. Now, let's talk about the macrocosm in a way, instead of going to animals, let's talk about the planet. Tell us about your meeting with Gaia, the consciousness of Mother Earth. Oh, well, that was that was truly fascinating, because before that happened, before Albert took me to meet her, um, I'd always imagined that our planet was nothing but a, a, a group of inert uh, molecules, you know, forming rocks and soil and water and so on. But he took me to, uh, he took me we went flying over to the North Pole, down to the ocean, and under uh, underneath the the, the the Arctic Sea, there was a large cavern. And uh, uh, I didn't know why he was taking me there. And all of a sudden, I, I started hearing uh, a telepathic voice. And, and this, this voice said, hi, I'm Gaia, the consciousness of Mother Earth. So I was a bit surprised. But anyway very engaging uh, spirit. Uh, she, you know, her, her responsibility is to look after her planet, which includes, you know, all the, the rocks and all the hard stuff, as well as all the plants and all the animals, including humans. Her, and her, her, her goal is to make sure that, that her ecosystem is in sort of a good balance and that everyone could get along uh, properly without undue interference. And she was dismayed, she told me, at how humans have been sort of a, a blot on her, uh, on her planet uh, especially in, in the last uh, couple of hundred years since the Industrial Revolution. When we first came to the planet, we didn't really cause much problem. I mean, we killed a few animals for our food and clothing. We didn't really pollute much because we didn't have any means to pollute. Uh, but since the Industrial Revolution, we've really sort of taken over the whole planet. We've become, in her words, like an invasive weed that's sort of snuffing out a lot of the other life in the garden. Uh, and 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 we're, we've basically conquered the whole planet, and uh, she's dismayed at the fact that we uh, abuse her other creatures, and that we abuse the you know her environment, her planet with our pollution, especially with the pollution. She doesn't understand why we pollute our own the place that we live in, because Earth is the place that we do live in, and we're we're, we're going about polluting the atmosphere the soil, the water, uh, which not only harms us, but also harms the other creatures. And she, her, her message to me was, look, at, can you guys not realize what you're doing and that you need to change your course because if you don't, things could end very badly for you. And here's the interesting thing, Mel. She says that she, she, she can't totally manipulate everything that happens uh, on planet Earth, but she has the ability to manipulate a, a few things, and, and she has been increasing the number and intensity of natural disasters on our planet recently, like earthquakes, floods, volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, droughts, fires, and so on. As a and warning? She says, I, sorry? As a warning to us? Yes, ex that's exactly it. She says, I'm, I, I want to sh sh shoot uh, the, a shot across your bow. I want to warn you guys. I want you to wake up and pay attention to what you're doing and to, and to make you aware of the fact that if you don't change your ways, uh, you know, it could end very badly. You could end up uh, wiping out uh, all the life on the planet. And she really doesn't want that. She, and she really loves all of her creatures, including humans, but really wishes that humans would change their ways to wake up and realize what they're doing is very destructive. So it was really, a, a, again, like the Orca, a very heartfelt message to say, 
look at we we like you, you humans, but we just wish you would change your ways because you're you're really sort of right now you're just bad news for the planet, and and it, we really want you to sort of change what you're doing and realize that uh, you know it, the planet Earth isn't exclusively for you. Uh, you're, you're there to live with the other uh, creatures on the planet, uh, the, the plants and the and the animals, and uh, and 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 you and you need to learn to get along with other people, uh, be better citizens of this planet. Um, and and stop sort of uh, harming yourselves by by damaging your own environment. So a very heartfelt message, and uh, and she really you know in, in she wanted me to say uh, you know look, and I'm going to continue to shoot across a shot across your bow until you guys really wake up. If you removed humans from this planet, Garnet, I'm sure this planet would become a paradise once again. Are we a cancer to the planet? Well, uh, Gaia didn't it, uh, describe it in that way, but I think that's that's the message. She's basically saying, yes, you're like a, a, a cancer. You can end up, uh, you know, killing the killing the planet that you're on, killing the other animals, you know, destroying your own civilization. And we and we have to sort of stop this growth. We have to stop uh, stop being such a such a malevolent uh, race of beings on this beautiful planet that we have. And our planet is really very beautiful. It's an incredibly beautiful place. But uh, humans have been doing a lot of damage to it and that's really what she's saying is that look at we need to put a stop to this cancerous growth also known as the human race i'm thinking about how life would have been before the industrial revolution all this technology that we have all the industry the pollution and so on came along going back maybe you know a few thousand years ago because in the last 100 years i think we have destroyed more of this planet than we've ever done before and again i'm not talking about climate change here folks i'm talking about what we're doing we're just cutting all the trees reducing the oxygen levels of our planet and yesterday i was watching this professor garnet and i think this 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 tells along with what we're discussing did you ever ask essentially everything in the fossil record was larger in the past than it is today. Sharks were double the size. Plants were hundreds of feet uh, taller. It seems we're not evolving. We're, we've lost something in the process, or we lost the condition that would permit the full expression of a life form. You know, to take a dragonfly, for example, they have a wingspan of a, what about four inches. The fossil record shows it at 36 inches. What explains that? Evolution says life forms should accelerating dexterity and size not the opposite what happened that now we used to have 25 percent oxygen levels and all these creatures would thrive and be so big and now we have 20 what 21 22 percent people used to live before 12 times of what we live now 80 times 12 960 years according to the bible and i'm not saying that that's truly accurate but if you look at the oxygen levels could it be that we're killing ourselves slowly Absolutely. We're not only killing ourselves slowly, but over the history, if you look over the history of human civilization, there's a lot of other animals that are now extinct, have become extinct because of human intervention, human abuse, and, and humans taking over their habitat. So humans have been uh, you know, uh, the cause of many animal extinctions, the cause of many changes to uh, the, the uh, animal kingdom uh, and certainly to our environment. And, uh, you, you know, we've been a, a, a very invasive force ever since we, uh, we came on the planet, more so since the Industrial Revolution. 
but we have been doing uh, you know harm to other creatures all the way along and and we've changed things and uh, that wasn't the original intention when humans first hit our planet that's how we developed though and uh, it, it's one of those things where when they first seeded human life on the on our planet, they didn't know quite how it would develop, uh, and 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 to their chagrin, now uh, a lot of the things have just gone offside. They've gone haywire, and humans have sort of uh, begun to run amok and are, are a major cause of uh, a lot of the bad things that are happening on our planet. So uh, it's it's really a case of you know things should have turned out differently. They didn't. I mean. There's human civilizations and other planets in our in our universe, our galaxy, Mel, that are quite much different than our own. And I've visited a few of them. And and so it doesn't have to be this way. It, it's not inherent in humans in their nature to, to 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 be violent and aggressive and let their negative emotions get out of control. Some uh, human civilizations have learned to curtail the negative emotions and get along just famously. So there's hope for us, but we have a long ways to go, and and we really have to. Start by making people aware of what the problem is, and then from there, uh, you know, trying to help them along uh, the path to uh, increase spiritual awareness. Uh, and, and if we can do that, if we can embrace love and compassion, uh, you know, fear, hate, anger will disappear. And that's where we really need to go. And uh, but but we've really sort of gone off on the wrong path uh, and have been for the longest time. And uh, and in fact, uh, you know, what uh, what Albert has said in the Council of Wisdoms has told me. Our civilization right now is at a very uh, high point in terms of technological development, but our emotional and spiritual intelligence has not kept pace. So we let our negative emotions run amok, which causes wars and conflicts and terrorist acts and genocides and murders. Uh, that we, I mean, you, you mentioned about the news every night. I get that every night too, and I wonder what's going on with us. Uh, but but the, the message from the spirit world is that uh, there have been other human civilizations in our past that have risen up to great heights as well before they ended up crashing and burning, like Atlantis and Lemuria and a few others we haven't even heard of or aren't aware of. And they're afraid that we're going to do the same thing because uh, in addition to the, the slow death that's, that we're causing right now, we have the means to create a very rapid destruction of all life on our planet with our weapons of mass destruction. And they're very concerned that that might be unleashed, uh, which will get rid of us a lot sooner than the slow death. But in, in any event, whichever route we go – uh, you know, it's going to end badly for us unless we change our ways, not only for us, but for all the other creatures in our planet. I mean, every day it seems like you read about another species of, of animals on our planet that's in danger of extinction. And, and it's just a, it's a tragedy to think because, like they say, extinction is forever. And, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. I mean, it's a, a horrible thing to have happen. We need to stop it, uh, you know, before it sort of gets out of control. With the technology that we have these days, there shouldn't be any reason why any species would go extinct if we have the the ability and the and the the, the technology and the wherewithal to be able to to clone to to perhaps preserve some eggs for the future because we we always think of uh you know what's the, in Norway that that seed vault that we have over there uh, seeds for plants but do we have one for the animal kingdom I'm not aware of it, Mel, but I think it's a good idea. We should. We certainly have the technology to do so. What is lacking is the will, the will to do so. There's just not enough people who say, let's put it, let's throw enough money at it to, to, to preserve uh, 
preserve these animals to make sure that they never get extinct, to clone them or to freeze them until we can revive them later uh, right. at, at some point in time. We really should do that just like the, the seed vault. Uh, and uh, and hopefully we, you know somebody will one day with uh, or somebody who's leading a government will say look we're going to throw some resources into this to sort of to do that but right now the will just isn't there as far as I can see. Talk about a real Noah's Ark, right? Exactly. Now tell us about and this is this is a an area that we hardly discuss here. Many people ask me to discuss Sasquatch, but I, I'm Bigfoot, but I don't. But you say that uh, you had an encounter with a Sasquatch and an Irish. Fairy. Yeah, it was. It happened just after my first visit to uh, to Gaia, and and I said to Albert, you know, um, I'm really surprised that our planet has a consciousness. And I said, are, are there any other secrets about our planet that you're not uh, you're not telling me? And he says, well, there's there's a whole bunch of secrets that you're not aware of. And I'll I'll take you to to visit a couple of uh, uh, so-called mythical creatures. If, you know, from your from your past, that uh, just to show you that that there, where there's smoke, there's often some fire. And so the first stop was to the Pacific Northwest um, of, of America, and there I did meet with a Sasquatch, and her name was uh, was Zana, and uh, she was about uh, eight nine feet tall, I would guess. Uh, her body very muscular, covered in dark brown hair with a sort of an ape like head, um, and uh, we communicated by telepathy. And she says, yes, um, you know, her race has been living on on our planet on all the continents except Antarctica like for, just for eons um, and, uh, and they were there actually before humans actually arrived and she says that uh, they communicate by telepathy they're very intelligent uh, but they don't have any technology because they want to live close to nature they see no need for technology and so they, they live you know very basic terms and they're very terrified of humans they think that we're violent and aggressive people and they don't want to have anything to do with us. They're afraid that if they make contact with us, they'll be shot, imprisoned, put in a circus as a, as a freak sideshow, whatever, or put into a laboratory and be poked and prodded. They don't want to have anything to do with that. And so they, they have been very adept at avoiding humans over the centuries. And they and and so they basically live underground uh, during the day. They come out at night. Um, and, and and the reason they can avoid contact is because she says they have. Uh, which he terms sort of like an animal-sensitive radar, they can detect other animals, including humans, from miles away. And that's how they can they can see humans coming, and they can just go and hide. And so occasionally they're spotted, but uh, it's just by accident. Once in a while they leave a footprint in the in the in the riverbank, uh, but they're very good at avoiding us. And and they they, they and, and they they're not going to come out of hiding. They're not going to live openly with us until we change our ways. And so there again was a plea similar to the killer whale was, you know, we wish humans would uh, would stop being aggressive and abusive and violent because we really like to live in harmony with you guys. But until that you change your ways, we're going to stay in hiding. So it was really, uh, uh, you know, there it was. I mean, uh, the, uh, these creatures have various names like Yeti and Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Abominable Snowman, and, and they live on. They live on all the continents and they're very good at, at escaping detection. So very interesting conversation. I'm really surprised that they haven't gotten caught. I mean, we, we hear all these stories that somebody, you know, killed a Sasquatch, which, you know, always happens to be a hoax. But I can't imagine one of them coming out because they want to interact with us because, as you said, they're going to wind up captured in a laboratory somewhere. And it's unfortunate that this is the way that we are. If we see uh, an extraterrestrial being coming here trying to make peace with us, what happens? Same thing. 
We capture them. We we try to analyze what's happening, and they never see the light of day again. So it's, it's very unfortunate. What's it going to take? Because I think it's not you and I and our listeners. There's this small group with ulterior motives. And before we started the show today, I told you of two terrorist attacks that happened uh, today in various parts of the world. I don't think that the average person is committing these. I think there's a small group out there that wants to continue perpetuating fear, chaos, to keeps us, keeps us, which will keep us separate, keep us divided all the time because they know the moment we unite as a species, their days are numbered because they're a few in comparison to all of us. Do you think it's them? Can we attribute the chaos that exists on this planet to this small group? And if so, what is the way to get rid of them so we can once and for all ascend? I hate to use that new agey word term, but that's just the way it is. Well, well no, ascension is really where we need to go. And, I, and, and uh, uh, you know, what Albert says is that we need to, we all need to raise our vibrations, expand our consciousness. And once we raise our vibrations high enough, we can, in fact, ascend to Earth in a higher dimension, where it, which is a very idyllic place. And I, I described that in my second book. Um, but in terms of who's causing all the problems, um, I, I don't know if it's a small group. I, I don't I don't think it's it's very large. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that it, there's, there's any sort of a cohesive uh, plan with these people. I think they're sort of the, you know, each little pocket is doing their own things, and basically, what they what what they're doing is they're letting their greed, their their uh, desire for power, their hatred, their revenge, their their anger to 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 to, to rule their lives, and they just uh, are determined to create as much chaos as as much uh, uh, conflict as they can, uh, because in their in their view, it, you know, the, the society is just all wrong for whatever reason, and that they have to sort of. Uh, you know, make us all uh, end up being in an, in an anarchistic society. Uh, that's really their goal, and uh, and they don't really care. They they just uh, they 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 let their anger and fear and greed sort of rule their lives, and they like to feed it. And they and they just don't understand that that's totally wrong. That really need to embrace love and compassion, not your negative emotions. And so these are the people that are causing all the problems. I mean, as Albert says. When you listen to the nightly news, it looks like our world is really in, uh, going to hell in a handbasket. He says, but what you don't know is that there are a lot of very good deeds being done all over the world every day. They never get reported in the media because it doesn't make good news. So the media is full of all these negative events, the, the, the terrorist killings and the bombings and so on. Um, but, you know, he, he said th- th- there is really good hope for us because there's a whole lot more people who are willing to embrace love and compassion uh, than the other side, the other group that, that really wants to feed anger, hate and greed. Uh, and so it, it, it's up to the people on the right side of, of, of the equation to try to uh, try to stifle the, the, the bad guys if you can. How you do that, it's not easy. I mean, Albert didn't give me any – he says there's no magic bullet. He says you have to sort of reach out and embrace your neighbor, and hopefully that ripples all the way through the world, and, and, and eventually maybe these guys will get under control. But he, he did say uh, being a spiritual person doesn't mean you have to be a pacifist. doesn't mean you have to sit back and take what these people are giving to you. He says it's okay to try to curtail them, put them in jail, uh, stop their violence, uh, because in, in, in many cases, that's the only thing they understand. Um, you know, and so, so we really have to sort of try to reach out and, and, uh, and, and stop all this violence, stop all these activities, 
but it's not easy for you and me, Mel, sitting where we are to do so. It's going to take a concerted effort from you know all the governments in the world or, or many of the big ones to try to, uh, to try to stop this violence, which they are doing, but it hasn't been very successful, unfortunately. Some of these places that you have visited, planets and the rest of them, did you see different, uh, the equivalent of countries, the equivalent of languages, which in my opinion is what keeps us separate. And I'm not advocating for a one world government, folks, but I'm just curious to, to know if other planets have the same model in a way that we have here. Well, the, the other planets that I've seen with civilizations, they didn't. They they didn't have uh, different languages. Uh, and all the ones that I visited were, um, they lived in peace and harmony, were very, you know, there was no crime, there was no uh, uh, conflicts, uh, you know, their negative emotions were basically curtailed, which which, which was, is really idyllic in, in so many ways because, uh, and, and you know, some, some of them were uh, human civilizations, some were different kinds of creatures, um, but they all sort of... Uh, their message to me was when they sort of observe what's happening on our planet is they don't quite understand why humans go around killing and murdering and abusing each other and all the other creatures. They don't understand why that happens because it doesn't happen on their planets. So it's sort of a, something that's – Earth and human civilization is a bit of a pariah in the galaxy uh, – to a lot of these races, and uh, they've been watching us. They've been trying to help us, um, but they, but but their own societies are are, are very much different. And uh, it, you know, as a matter of fact, human society on on our planet has uh, hasn't always been the same way. Um, Albert took me to the Akashic Records in one of my visits, and there he showed me. Um, a human civilization, one of the first on our planet that lived among the dinosaurs, actually. And, and I, I know the anthropologists and archaeologists will say, well, humans haven't been here that long. But, but I saw it in the Akashic Records. It was a, a, a human civilization that was uh, living very close to nature. They didn't have technology. They lived in sort of a walled fort to keep the dinosaurs out. Um, and uh, they had a, a very egalitarian society. Men and women shared everything equally, hunting, cooking, cleaning, child-rearing duties. Uh, so everything was very uh, shared equally. Um, and the, the, even hunting parties, when they went to hunt dinosaurs, were sort of like half women and half men. So it was very – and they had no crime. They had no money. Everyone just sort of uh, did their part willingly. Um, no one needed for anything. They all had, you know, sort of the food and the clothing they needed, um, and, and they lived in a very peaceful society. It was very, really, quite wonderful. And I actually watched uh, um, one episode there where a, a small hunting party uh, crept through the grass and killed a hadrosaurus, um, and they immediately chopped it up and scooted back to their uh, to, to their uh, walled city before a, a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, uh, caught up to them. Um, and, uh, you know, they only killed what they needed for food and clothing, never wasted anything, uh, and uh, they weren't abusive. They didn't pollute the environment. And, and so that was like 65 million years ago. What happened to them, unfortunately, was that they were destroyed when the asteroid hit uh, the Yucatan Peninsula, um, and uh, it spewed up, uh, as you as you probably know, the, all the dust and the smoke, and, and and triggered a lot of volcanic eruptions around the world. Uh, the Earth basically had a nuclear winter for the next two or three years, which is how most of the dinosaurs were killed off. And this civilization was buried under a couple hundred meters of lava from a nearby volcano. That's why nobody's discovered them. But so we've been around a lot longer. Um, than uh, the anthropologists uh, uh, think, and uh, that civilization didn't destroy itself. It was destroyed by a freak uh, uh, act, a cosmic uh, accident, uh, you know, on our planet. 
Well, when I think of that asteroid that hit the Yucatan Peninsula, I wonder if this is just a theory or if it's proven that there's a direct correlation with the demise of dinosaurs. Because when I was thinking of this oxygen level that has gone down, if you have such a big creature with big lungs, it requires a lot of oxygen in order for it to survive. And that's why the ones who were able to adapt became smaller. Could it be that this cataclysm, I don't know if it was the, 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 the asteroid that hit, or did they tell you what caused the flood that removed Atlantis, perhaps Lemuria, and other civilizations from our planet? Well, yeah, Albert did say for sure that, that the dinosaurs uh, became mostly extinct because of that asteroid hitting the Yucatan Peninsula. He said that was sort of the, the main cause. Um, uh, but, you know, that, that's, that, uh, that event caused a lot of other things to happen on our planet. And, and you're right, uh, smaller animals like mammals sort of uh, from that point on, mammals sort of became the dominant creature over time um, as they uh, sort of more or less are now with humans. Um, so that was the that, that was what caused the the dinosaurs to become mainly extinct was the asteroid hitting and he uh, he actually showed that showed me a scene from that in the Akashic records um, and in terms of Atlantis and Lemuria he didn't show me exactly what happened there but he said that it was because um, uh, you know uh, some things got out of control in both places uh, and they ended up sort of basically destroying themselves. And, and it was in, in Atlantis, it was the, uh, the, the scientists were experimenting with things that they could not control. They ended up destroying their, uh, their island uh, continent um, and it sunk below the ocean. And Albert says someday we will actually find the ruins for Atlantis, but uh, we're just not there yet. Um, but, but mainly in those cases of Atlantis and Lemuria, it was because of human um, it was a human's fault that, that, that those that those things happened. It was uh, it wasn't just sort of an act of nature, um, but in the case of the civilization that lived among the dinosaurs, it was just a cosmic event uh, beyond their control. They had nothing to do with it, and it's really too bad because they had a very nice society going, uh, which just got wiped out. And I said to Albert, "Well, what about the ETs who've been monitoring our planet for you know for eons uh, and, and trying to help us? Why couldn't they?" have you know destroyed the asteroid or stopped what was going to happen and he said well because they're not allowed to do so they're not allowed to sort of grossly interfere with sort of the natural happenings in the universe and that that asteroid hitting the planet was just one of them and so things just sort of unfolded from there which is really unfortunate because i i think it would be well, it was unfortunate for the dinosaurs on the other hand if the dinosaurs um, were still there, don't know whether that human civilization would have survived and kept on going. Who knows what would have happened to our civilization? I mean, it's sort of like one of those when people speculate about traveling back in time and changing something. How would it all play out? You know, when you come back to modern times, don't know that. But uh, you know, it is history, and uh, you can only view what has happened in history on the Akashic records. You can't actually go back and fiddle with anything and physically change anything. So it is what it is. I'm not sure if you have been following the news regarding the peculiar visits that Antarctica is receiving lately on, for example, Election Day in the United States. Our Secretary of State, John Kerry, was there. A few months before, President Obama was, if not there, very close in the Patagonia, the southernmost tip of South America. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, the second man to allegedly walk on the moon, was there recently, got sick, was removed. Many things happening supposedly in that part of the world, probably the most unexplored continent of this planet. Have you found out through Albert or anybody else what the reality of that 
continent is and was in the distant past. Actually, I haven't discussed that with Albert. He hasn't mentioned it. I haven't asked him about it. Um, but I do think that – I, I remember the news stories as well as you do, Mel, and I think that there is something happening there. And I, I know for sure that uh, you know President Obama and uh, some of the high officials are well aware of the – of the uh, ETs that have been visiting our planet still are and have been over the years. So there's probably something going on in Antarctica that relates to the, uh, to the alien races uh, that have been, uh, uh, you know, in, in, among our planet, among, among us for, for many centuries. Um, so I, I suspect there's something that relates to that. Uh, next time I see Albert, I will ask him about that, Mel, but I haven't, uh, ha- haven't had a chance, but I, I know that there's uh, there's something going on because, uh, um, these things don't happen for no reason. I mean, we all think Antarctica is just a frozen uh, landmass, uh, you know, with a huge ice cap on top of it. But there's more, uh, you know, to it than meets the eye, I'm sure. Certainly. Now, they say our emotional intelligence has not kept up with our technology. Is that a mistake that has been made in the past? And have we repeated the same mistakes again and again? And if so, why don't we learn from our mistakes? Well, that's a very good question. It's one of the things that uh, really uh, is puzzling the uh, good spirits and the spirit side is they're saying, you know, why does this happen to humans? Why do they sort of rise up and then destroy themselves and uh, all these other previous civilizations? Why can't they learn to control their negative emotions, which is really the cause, the root cause of all these downfalls? Uh, You know, there's you know, people who are greedy, uh, you know, want to take over and control their, their worlds. Uh, you know, um, people get angry and, and they want to, uh, you know, they hate other people and they want to start wars or, or uh, kill people that aren't quite the same as them, have a different color of skin, uh, different language and so on. So these are all just negative emotions that humans uh, ha- have been faced with over the years. Uh, and and uh, as I say, the, the people on the spirit side are puzzled by it, um, and, and they really don't want it to happen again to have us destroy ourselves. And so they have been sending um, a lot of very experienced and advanced souls to incarnate on Earth over the last uh, you know 20 or 30 years to try to have them – lead the charge and to try to help us change our way because they really don't want us, want us to destroy ourselves again uh, like we have in the past. And they, they, they're really puzzled. They don't understand why humans on this planet have, have carried on the way they have, as I mentioned, because in other civilizations, they've done much better. So there's, a, there's something quirky about what has happened on our planet and history has repeated itself over and over. And right now we're facing with the same uh, same uh, uh, challenge is that if we don't sort of change our ways, we're going to repeat history again and end up destroying ourselves. If we wipe ourselves out for whatever reason, technology advances more than spiritually, I think this has happened in the past. The difference is that at least they left some monuments in the past, pyramids, Stone Age, you, you name it, all those, a Baalbek, to name a few, But if we were to wipe ourselves out now and a few survive, we would start with sticks and stones. How would we be able to to go back to where we used to be? Perhaps a reset is needed, as you said. Maybe Gaia, let's say that it's a a dog that has to shake its fleas before it can move on. That's a great metaphor, Mel, but I hope it doesn't come to that uh, <laughs> right. because I, I hope that we can change our ways before uh, we have to sort of do a reset and go back to the Stone Age. And that's what will happen if we unleash our weapons is that we'll basically – there'll be a few people survive and we'll be back to sort of Stone Age living and have to start from scratch again. And that's what happened after Atlanta and Lemuria. There was a few survivors that basically had to start over and uh, were sort of the – 
the culmination of uh, those survivors and going through the uh, you know all the changes in the industrial revolution and technological advances to where we are now and uh, you know we could end up in the same boat we could end up just uh, destroying all the life and and starting from from scratch again and 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 that's just not something that I want to wish for our for our uh, our race uh, Mel I hope that we don't get there and I hope that we can uh, become spiritually aware enough to realize that we have to change our ways so that we can make this civilization work and, and, and everyone on the spirit side is cheering us on, saying, look, at, we really want you guys to get past this, uh, th- this bad stretch of road that you're in and, 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 and get over the, the problems that you're confronting and, and move on to the next stage. And they, they really want to help us, and, and, but we have to help ourselves. They can't do it all for us. But like you, I grew up a Roman Catholic, and there are good things that I still see about that. I really do. At the same time, I see – how fundamentalism, whether it's Christianity or, or Islam or, or Judaism, you name it, basically the Abrahamic religions, they're the ones that create most of the wars. How can we see out of eye, eye to eye if our ego says, and again, Christianity, we have thousands and thousands of, of sub-religions. So if I'm always saying my God is better than yours thousands of times and people who, who escape one religion to go to another all the time, uh, and we have the, the madrasas that are creating all these, these, these fundamentalists all over the world, how can we stop this and sit down and say, listen, I respect your beliefs, respect mine. How do we do that? Or like they're off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, that's one of the things we really have to try to confront because you are very right that religions over the history of, of human civilization have caused a lot of violence, a lot of wars, uh, you know, a lot of genocide, uh, and it just makes no sense for for religions. And it's it's not just the, uh, uh, the, the the Islamic extremists we have today. Christians did it, you know, hundreds of years ago during the Crusades. That's right. Um, I mean, it's, the, the history is replete with stories of uh, of violence caused by religions and it just makes no sense because they say uh we uh you know we're doing this in the name of our god you know we're our god wants us to 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 exterminate this other group of people who have a different religion uh which it just doesn't make any sense because they have to realize and this is how we have to sort of get to them now is to say uh look at i mean you can call god or the source as i like to say it uh god or the source doesn't make uh rules for us to follow doesn't manipulate events on our planet Contrary to what the religious holy men say, and that all these rules that whether it be the uh, the, the Catholic holy men or the or, or, or the the Jewish leaders or the Islamic uh, leaders, they say this is what uh, God wants you to do. These are the rules to follow. Uh, but those are all man-made rules. I mean, they don't come from the source. The source doesn't care about uh, doesn't care about how we act on this planet. Because we're all here to learn and experience things uh, so that we can grow and evolve. And so what has happened with, you know, with these uh, religions is that the, the leaders have their own agendas, their own agendas for power and control uh, and, and to acquire uh, money. And uh, that's their agendas and that's how they develop their religions to control people through, uh, through guilt and fear. Uh, and, and so that's what's wrong with it. So if people realize that, look at the source is sort of the sum total of everything that we have uh, in, in the universe, and, and that uh, you and I and everyone else are uh, individual aspects of the source. We're connected to each other and to the uh, and to the source. It, 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 once they realize that, and that God is not some 
uh, old man sitting on a gold throne in the sky, manipulating things and commanding people to do this, that, and the other thing. Once they realize the, that that's a falsehood and that the source is not like that at all, then it's, they're free to say, okay, well, I don't have to go to church and listen to the Catholic priest or to the uh, Jewish rabbi or to the, the, you know, the other holy men in, 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 that, that, that uh, lead the religions. Uh, I don't have to, to, to listen to, to them tell me what they think God wants me to do because because I know now uh, that that's not the way God is and that God is nothing but love um, and and God doesn't want us to kill one another in His name. That, that it's just that's total nonsense. How can a a, a a supreme entity that embodies love command people on Earth to go and kill other people because they have a different religion? It makes no sense and it's just not true. That's not the way it is. And so people have to you know basically wake up and say. I need to stop listening to religious leaders who are telling me to do bad things in the name of God. And some people attack me by saying, oh, Mel, you attack religions all the time and da-da-da. No, I, I, I respect some of the facets that they have of professing love and, and, and respecting each other, but there's this extreme faction for each one. That is what causes all the problems. And, and, and some people say, how come you never talk about Hinduism? You know, don't get me started there. I mean, we have uh, the caste system where we have the untouchables at the bottom. I can't fathom being born in India, and you have the 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 outcast, uh, the street sweepers, the latrine cleaners. That if they wanted to progress and become a doctor, they have absolutely no hope of doing so until they die. And hopefully, they'll ascend to the next one, Sudra, the commoners, and the the peasants, the servants. Then we have the the Vaishya, uh, merchants, the landowners. Then we have the what is it, Kshatriya, the warriors, the kings, and then on the top you have the Brahmin, the, the priests, and the academics, and above all that, they have the hope to become God. I can't live with that one either, Garnet. Yeah, no, I, I entirely agree, and that's just that's one very good example. And you could probably find something similar in in most of the religions. And it's and it's just uh, the, the problem is, I agree with you. There are some very good things that some of the religions do. They have some good principles. They've done some really good things throughout our history, but they've also done a lot of bad things, and they've caused a lot of problems, a lot of wars. A lot of murders and genocides, and uh, so overall, right now at, at this stage of our of, of our civilization, we don't need to have that sort of a hierarchical control that some of the religions have. We don't need that. We need to recognize that everyone on this planet is a soul having a journey on this planet, a journey of exploration and discovery and uh, and, and acquiring wisdom. And that, that that not one of us is any better than anybody else. So I, I'm not any better than the uh, than the outcast in India, or the beggar in Nigeria, or any or the homeless man on the street in Canada. Uh, I'm, 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 we're all the same. We may think we're different. We may think we're better than other people, but we're not. And 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 once we realize that we're all equal, we're all part of the one, and we're not really separate. That's just an illusion. Then all this uh, nonsense that goes on should uh, should disappear. It should disappear if we if we embrace that concept totally. And then you know, as Albert says, once you get back, you, you, when your physical body dies now and you get back to the spirit side, everyone who, who's on the spirit side, that's just a, a understood. It's just a fact of life on the spirit side is that they're all all souls are the same. No one's different, um, and, and uh, we're all sort of uh, trying to grow and evolve, and, and there's no negative emotions, no hatred, no greed, um, no animosity. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful existence. Um, the trouble is when we incarnate on, into a human body on Earth, we forget all that, and we end up sort of trying to struggle 
you know, on our journeys here and deal with our negative emotions and, uh, you know, all these things, the bad things that religions do, again, stem from desire of some religious holy man to, to have power and control over the masses. And that's why they have all these rules. That's why they set up a case system in, in India. That's why, uh, uh, you know, there's uh, Catholics in, uh, have always said when I was growing up, the Catholics always said, we're the one true religion. And so all those other people who, who are, are Protestants, who are Jews, who are Muslims, you know, they're never going to go to heaven because the only way to get to heaven is to belong to the Catholic Church. And that was their attitude, you know, which is just total nonsense. But, I mean, that's what I was taught when I was growing up. And most religions have the same view. We're the one true religion and the other guys, uh, you know, are lost. They're going to go to hell. They won't go to heaven because they're in the wrong religion. And, and, it, and it's just – that's just – what's been happening in our civilization and we really need to stop that to, 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 and, and sort of get together as, as one uh, race of humans and understand that we're all the same really well that's what I'm saying when you remove yourself from that uh, triumvirate of, uh, of three religions if you will and you can add in Hinduism and the rest of them but you see that from the outside when you can see instead of seeing the trees you can see the forest you realize that there's a reason why they're there and again it's to keep us divided. It's to keep us fighting against, you know, among each other, amongst each other for, for millennia. And unless you deprogram yourself, you re-educate yourself, you remove the brainwashing that you have gone through throughout life and accept the fact that a lot of what you heard is really a bunch of, uh, I don't want to offend people, I don't want to go there, but re-educate yourself with the truth. By listening to programs like this, I know that what Gardner is saying may sound outrageous, outlandish, far-fetched, science fiction, but that's his truth. And I'm allowing him a platform to tell us, and at least the message that he's imparting upon us makes sense to me, and I hope it makes sense to you. We have so much more to discuss when we come back. A lot of more of the adventures of Garnet with Albert and the rest of them. How can people buy the new book, Garnet Dance of Heavenly Bliss, and all your other books? Well, the best place is to go to my website, which is garnishulhauser.com. Mel, that's hard to remember, but if you if you Google Dance of Heavenly Bliss or Dancing on the Stamp, you can get to my website. There, there are buy links to all the popular online bookstores like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many others. You just have to click on there. You get right to the place where you can buy all three of my books. Um, also, on my website, you can download a free excerpt, watch book videos for each book. You can dial in to all of the radio show recordings that I've made with all the radio shows I've been on. Um, and, and, and this now is show number 116 for me. And, uh, and you can also dial into my – I'm sorry? Congratulations. Yes, show- Oh, thank you. Yes, show 116. Um, and you can dial into my social media sites like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and so on uh, to get updates on what's going on. Um, and my email address is there. If anybody uh, out there has a question or a comment, um, feel free to send me an email because I'd be happy to respond. And so far, I've been very good at responding to emails. Excellent. Well, folks, don't go anywhere. A lot more to discuss with Garnet Schulhauser. when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening to part one of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, head on over to the member section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. You don't want to miss the rest. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for lots of great products. Thank you.